Come on, guys. We turned out okay. The Modern Parent's Guide to Old School Parenting. I want to hang upside down from the swing set. Welcome to We Turned Out Okay with host Karen Locke Cole. I want to climb to the top of that tree. And now, here's your host, Karen Locke Cole. Hey, everybody. We're filing today's episode under Risky Business because I believe that in order to accomplish what today's guest helps people accomplish, which is reclaim freedom from stuff and free up their time, we must be willing to be a little bit vulnerable, and that sure feels risky to me. You are going to love today's guest, a woman who helps people cut through their clutter and remember what's most important in their lives. Born and raised in New Mexico, her ancestors were among the original settlers of New Mexico, in fact. Starting at 11 years old, she was given her first job alphabetizing the merchandise in the business of a family friend in Santa Fe. It seems that my guest was always going to be helping people declutter. Over the years, she has helped organize and streamline everything from closets and dressers to the systems in restaurants and political campaigns. Even the New York Times has asked for her expert advice, and now she's here to share her expertise in freeing up more of your time so that you can enjoy more of your so that you can enjoy your family life more. Please welcome Miriam Ortiz Epino. Welcome, Miriam. Hey, Karen. Wow, that was like the best intro ever. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I I loved learning about, you know, because when, when I started to set up my, I, I try to work off a few questions. I don't like to just go in with nothing to, you know, nothing to think about or whatever. Um, right. And so one of my original questions was, have you always been, you know, an organizer? Like, has, is, is this something that you've always loved over your life? And I, I just read that about, about being, you know, working in the herb shop. And I was like, that is awesome. She always has been. <laughs> yeah. You know, my parents used to make fun of me because I'm the most organized person in our entire extended family, probably. But it started out with me lining things up, mm -hmm. my toys, my dolls, my teddy bears. Aww. I used to collect these little glass bottles and uh, they would be like on the windowsill all lined up perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. And I just have to ask, what is it like? I don't even know if this makes any difference to you, but what's it like growing up in a place where your family is kind of part of the history? You know, I've been thinking about this a lot more because I, I left for a while and came back and, and it's, it's that feeling of home mm -hmm. that people talk about. Mm -hmm. It's, it just feels like I belong here somehow. Mm -hmm. And I seem invested in the place to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's, it's occasionally annoying when we, we go out to dinner and things and people recognize my, my dad or something and, and we spend quite a while just chit-chatting with the people in the know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's also uh, really nice to have that sense of place. Did you grow up in a big family or...? Um, my immediate family is just me and two brothers, mm -hmm. um, but lots of cousins and, and aunts and uncles and mm -hmm. things. So, And are you all there? Is everybody in New Mexico? No, not anymore. No, no. I, that's the way of the world, isn't it? It is. You know, you know. But you are, you are there. What do you love? What do you love about New Mexico? Um, I love that it is calm and beautiful. And, you know, we are the land of enchantment. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. It is quite enchanting. Um, but at the same time, it has, for such a small and spread out place, it has quite a cosmopolitan flair to it. So it's not really backwards per se. We know a lot of different things and we're interested in a lot of different things, but it's uh, very calm. The, the fast pace isn't isn't a problem <laughs> mm -hmm, there yeah that is nice I mean I live on the east coast and I love it I wouldn't trade it and I visited uh, you know other other places in the world but um it's not a calm you know you don't get out on the road and think ah <laughs> where yeah. I live so. and the nature is literally minutes from my downtown uh, you know I live in a townhouse downtown mm -hmm. and so it's a very urban setting but within five minutes I can be walking along the river within 20, I can be walking in the mountains. Wow. You know, it's, it's a nice, flexible place to live. Yeah. And are you in Albuquerque or Santa Fe? Or I'm neither? in Albuquerque. You're in Albuquerque. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Cause I, so everybody should know. I got to meet you. Um, yeah. we, are, we are Solo Lab friends. So we're both in Michael O'Neill's Solo Lab group. Um, 
and that we are there because we're trying to figure out how to how to you know I in my case I was trying to figure out how to start a podcast and so I'm I've I've accomplished that and I'm kind of still working on where I want it to go and what I want to do with it and and Miriam you are there because you're you're taking a business that has really been kind of based in the real world and you're you're doing more trying to do more of it online is that right Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. and through Solo Lab, like so I now I've been in Solo Lab for probably six months or maybe a little more. And mm-hmm. um as well, not as part of that, but I knew you, like we had known each other a little bit when I went out to visit my parents in Colorado last spring. So I think it was April. And um we got to my mom and I were going down to Santa Fe. And I got to uh, you know, go down there and, and have lunch with you and a and a friend, which was wicked cool. It was very cool. I loved that. It yeah. was a very fun day, actually. I just happened to be up there working with a client on the same day Karen was going to be there, and it was it worked out it worked very out. well. Yeah, that was super fun. Now, so you, your original, like you talk about at 11 years old, alphabetizing the, the herbs and whatnot in, a, in mm-hmm. a business, and that was in Santa Fe. So did you grow up in Santa Fe? Yeah, well, I kind of split between Santa Fe and Albuquerque. So I um, lived in Santa Fe till like seventh grade, and mm-hmm. then we moved to... Albuquerque. Oh, cool. Middle school and high school and college. Yeah. I was in Albuquerque. So, and I just know from driving to Santa Fe that you're absolutely right. Like you're, you're at the city limits and there's, there's whatever, there's hiking and there's incredibly beautiful views, like from the city mm-hmm. <laughs> of the surrounding mountains. And there's just really these neat, I, I felt coming into it like when we, when we crossed the border from Colorado into New Mexico, I just felt like this is a whole different place like I you know it's sort of Mm -hmm. a it's a really neat alien world I mean I had never we in fact growing up over here uh we used to always and I think I've said this on the show before my my youngest brother had a thing where he he didn't believe in New Mexico he didn't think it existed (laughs) he'd like never seen a lot of people don't (laughs) he's like I've never seen a license from New Mexico whatever and that was obviously before the age of the internet where you can find everything you know about everything but it, it's it turns out that new mexico is not a conspiracy theory it's true it's really it's beautiful it's real everybody should yeah. go there it's amazing yeah. so and you <laughs> you lived in san francisco right have you ever I visited did. uh i well i mean you've been there and i i'd love to for you to talk about san francisco or california a little bit but have you been anywhere else as well like have you visited other parts of the country or the world I've, I have not been out of the country except to Mexico. Um, Mm -hmm. however, I've been to quite a few places in the United States. I'm missing kind of the, the middle Northern part, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) I've been to Chicago and Boston and cool New Orleans and, you know, all around Kansas, Missouri, Baltimore. I don't know. I've been all over the place. What did you think of Boston? My, my home? Well, my my, I immigrated here when I was three from Canada, but but it's I feel like it's my home now. So what do you think of it? I actually loved it. Um, I was a kid. I think I was about 10 mm-hmm. when we went to Boston. But I love history and I love old things. <laughs> wow. So. so I really enjoyed it. Although my favorite thing was going to the top of the John Hancock Tower. So, yeah, that's you know, a great there's thing that to early love of urban yep. something. Yep. Yeah. And that's we've. So I've lived here for a long, long time. I won't get into ages, but um, the only, even growing up as a kid, the only time we ever visited like the Hancock Tower or walked the Freedom Trail or did any of those neat things was literally when we had visitors from out of town. (laughs) That's true for everybody, I think. They only do their local stuff when people are there, which is too bad because it's actually really fun to do your local stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I was at an event a couple of weeks ago called Podcast New England, which is like a gathering, as it sounds, of podcasters in New England. And it happened to be on a street called Tremont Street. And when I was there, like I I rarely go into Boston. It's about an hour's trip for me, 45 minutes to an hour. Depends on if I'm taking the train or or driving. Mm -hmm. And um, I happened to be at this conference, which was on Tremont Street, on the day that the Gay Pride Parade came through on Tremont Street. It was so awesome. It felt like being a part of history. I mean, it was just, it's such a blast. You know, the mayor comes through under this big, like, rainbow of balloons. And then you just, I don't know if you've ever been to a gay pride parade, but they are. Um, I I attended a few in San Francisco. Yeah. They're quite spectacular. They're amazing. They're like the, and up here there's this band called the Dropkick Murphys that plays a song called, I think it's called something off to Boston. Like, 
it's not shuffle off to Buffalo, you know, but it's like it's shipping off to Boston, I think is what it's called. And there were marching bands like, you know, college and high school marching bands with the drums and the baton throwers and all that stuff doing that song. I was like, so fantastic. (laughs) It was just really a blast. And uh, yeah, and you just feel when you're in Boston, I feel like there is there's such a sense of history. You're walking on these streets that, you know, you know, the Boston Massacre took place here and the the Tea Party took place here. And people have walked these streets for hundreds of years. And that's just a neat feeling. Yeah. You know, so I mean, a little bit of a departure. But like when you travel, are you a super organized traveler? Oh, yeah. Do you have a plan for where everything goes and what you're taking? And how long does it take you to pack to go somewhere? Uh, about 20 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah. If even that. Wow. Um, it, yeah. And I do. I actually have kind of a contradictory way of packing from what most how to travel light type people say. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into the whole thing. I love but- it. I mean, like every time I travel, <laughs> it takes me it'll take I mean, I've got kids and whatever but it takes me such a long time to get ready to go like for the weekend it'll take me an hour to pack so i if you could give (laughs) yeah yeah. i bet my i bet listeners would love to hear how you get ready to go in under an hour to go somewhere you know right so i actually don't like the travel part of traveling i like being in the new place Mm -hmm. and i'm kind of particular about my stuff and so why would i use different stuff just because i'm traveling and going to be somewhere else so for my toiletries and and that kind of thing I literally just set out my cosmetic bag and I go okay I'm brushing my teeth I need my toothbrush my toothpaste my floss my night guard my whatever I'm taking Mm -hmm. with me Mm -hmm. and it goes into a kit of my teeth things and then I take another small bag and I go okay I just got out of the shower I used my shampoo my conditioner this and that and this might be helpful for you because I know you have hand things but at Mm -hmm. one point I um, had a bit of um, carpal tunnel syndrome. Mm-hmm. And so my wrists got really weak and it was really hard for me to squeeze bottles like of yeah. lotion and shampoo yeah. and stuff. And so I had transferred everything into these bottles that I could open with one hand without too much grip and require very little squeezing, like the whatever the liquid would kind of just run out of them. Yeah, yeah. And so they're smaller. They're already travel bottles oh. that I refill all the time at my own house anyway. So I have that, but I also have one smaller set if I'm going on a shorter trip. So I just take my smaller set and fill it from the regular. From whatever you use, yeah. Yeah, and it goes into the thing. And so I'm packing my toiletries as I'm using them the day I'm going. Oh, cool. So it's exactly what I use at home, just in smaller bottles. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to, you know, so if you're giving, if you're changing your, your baby or something like that, you can, I mean, not that you, you don't have kids, eh? Are you? I do not. (laughs) (laughs) I I have watched a couple episodes of Dr. Phil and the nanny. I feel perfectly comfortable telling all of you how to raise yours. It's fine. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. So like if you're going through the diaper changing routine and you actually diaper bags are probably a thing that most people, because you have a diaper bag that's just ready to grab and go. It's more the like, what's yeah, my kid going to be playing with? People and... don't really have a plan with their diaper bag. They just stuff new things in it every day. And then six months later, it's full. And they're like, why can't I fit another thing another in there? Thing in there. <laughs> oh, don't do that. Don't definitely don't do that. Because you can find some pretty nasty things, I would guess, at the bottom of a, a diaper yeah. bag that hasn't been emptied in six months. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> so, so, I mean, that's the thing with the, the travel packing. So, and then with the clothes, it's kind of the same thing. I have a travel or a capsule wardrobe anyway. Mm-hmm. So, when I go to travel, I think, okay this particular thing is either going to be more casual or more dressy than my usual clothes. And I take, you know, two different bottoms, a pair of pants and a skirt or, Mm. you know, two pairs of pants and shorts or something. And then a variety of the tops for my wardrobe for that number of days plus two. Cool. Just in case case. you get somewhere and it's extra cold in that hotel or it's pouring rain or it's one of the three hot days in San Francisco, you know, you give yourself a little bit of flexibility, but it's always about layers and um, just exactly the number of days you're going to be there plus two tops mm-hmm. and That's two awesome. extra p- pairs of panties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, definitely. We need those. <laughs> That's, it. That's really cool. And then you're ready. It's time to go. 
So. Yeah. I always get hung up on things like, like, am I going to read this book or that? Because I'm a person who has like five different books going at once. I mean, right now I can seriously think of like five different books. <laughs> yeah. I try really hard to only read one at a time because it's faster mm-hmm. in the long run to just read one until you're done and then read the next one. I've been finding what works well for me is a fiction at bedtime and like stuff I want to learn about during the day. You know? Yeah. I, I kind of do the same thing. Although I will say since I've become an entrepreneur, my fiction reading has gone way down and it's kind of starting to scare me and I'm putting it back into the mix this year. <laughs> cool. But cool. <laughs> <laughs> I used to read like three to five books a week. Wow. Before now, you became an entrepreneur. Yeah. And now I'm down to like, three a month yeah yeah me too I mean I for a person who I I mean I'm a voracious reader and Mm -hmm. um you know these last months of of just I'm I've been organizing my life differently as a person who's starting a podcast and I just like I'm lucky now if I can read two pages of a book before I fall asleep at night and it's like what (laughs) I hate that and that's okay because it's just temporary while you're getting up and running and getting the excitement out yeah yeah it'll come back it'll come back so and then we just added our you know complicating our lives uh by adding by adding these two beautiful doggies who I love so much and uh by the time this airs which will be in September we will have you know hopefully have them if all goes well for like three months maybe you know two and a half three months and uh and we we had a really rough weekend. This first weekend with the dogs was interesting. One of them ended up in the hospital overnight because she was, they just, they haven't adapted to their food. They went into a shelter and we rescued them from a shelter and they haven't adapted to like the eating, uh, eating type things have not, have not gone well for them. So, um, but she's better now. Our little Tinkerbell, she's upstairs. And if you hear them, I guess that's why I'm bringing them up. If, if you, if you out there listening happen to hear barking, well, that's why, because we've got two little doggies <laughs> and they're adorable. They are adorable. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're just so I was we've always been a big dog family. Right. So um, we have my favorite kind of a dog. Uh, well, maybe the Shipu, which is what they are. They're Shih Tzu Poodle mixes. Maybe they might replace my favorite breed at some point in the future. But right now, my favorite breed is Samoyed, which are these big husky dogs. They're all white and they have these big curly tails and they, they always have a smile on their face, which it's a good thing that they're so friendly because they just they're always grinning. And uh, anyway, but now I'm I'm experiencing the joys of actually sitting with a dog on your lap or sometimes two because they can both fit. So, yeah, so that's really cool. Nice. Yeah. So we might hear them. We'll see. We'll see. Um, they're upstairs with our human children. <laughs> cool. So, so so what we've been talking about a little bit about like organizing and traveling and that kind of thing. Is that what you kind of what not for travel, but is this what you do on a daily basis? Sort of field people's questions. You know, like what is your life like in terms of helping people organize their lives or declutter or whatever. Yeah. I, I kind of work two ways. I do this coaching thing um, and virtual organizing where people send me photos in a, in a drop box and then we get hop on the phone and I tell them what to do. But oh, I also oh. work one-on-one with people in their space to go through their stuff and set it up for whatever is next for them. So it's about creating the space the environment to support what you're trying to do, whether it's work or craft or setting up your home. Um, it's to set up a nurturing and supportive environment for you to do your best work and live your best life. Hmm. Have yeah. you got any, any good recent examples of, of doing that? Um, yeah. So um, I just last week helped a, a woman set up her craft room. She had her she's about to be an empty nester and her husband works a little bit out of town part of the year and mm-hmm. so they have an RV and they spend about half of the year in their RV and they spend half the year in their gorgeous house that the kids have now moved out of and she was kind of transitioning and and her craft room had gotten moved and they reestablished a guest room and then all the stuff was just piled in her craft room and they were getting ready to go traveling again and she really wanted to be able to take at least some of the craft things with her, you know, set up a few kits so mm-hmm. she could be crafting a little bit while they drove or while her husband was in meetings and such. So we had to go through, you know, what tends to happen is someone wants to change the function of a room or something and they just dump everything they're going to need into that room. And months later, they're like, I, I haven't done any of my stuff because I never finished setting up. Like they uh-huh. have that intention and they just don't do it. So I helped her for about 
four hours and we just cranked through and gave her a jump start and set up the various spaces for the different kinds of crafts she has. Oh. So now she can take her little portable travel kits and fill it up with the beads and the needles and the quilting squares or, you know, whatever she needs for that particular trip. She can just easily find the stuff that goes with that craft and, and go. Mm-hmm. So she can, it's almost like having an organized bookshelf where you know you know you get these kind of books over here and these kind of books there and whichever one you want you just grab and go exactly and in the meantime you know we got rid of um about 87 containers that she thought were going to help her get organized and we got rid of um four trash bags full of uh crafting stuff that she actually was never going to use because it wasn't one of her favorite craft yeah things things she's accumulated or whatever yeah, I have to say, I am such a hoarder of storage containers. I'll be like, ooh, ooh, I'm going to use that. I mean, it's only in recent yeah. years that I've been able to say, you know what? It's okay to let the, you know, this pile of uh, empty bags or um, like, you know, quirky, cute bags, say, or or mm-hmm. hat boxes or um, I don't know. I mean, every like plastic containers. I'll just be like, oh, this is going to come in useful someday. It's got a lid. <laughs> it matches. It closes, whatever. And then. I'll find right. that I, I never use it, you know? We seem to have it all backwards about containers. So here's what I tell my clients about containers is they're the thing that helps you hide the thing you don't want to deal with. <laughs> so, is, that, is that a bad thing? Like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I happen to think you should know what you own yeah. and where it is and when you're going to use it and what, what that looks like. So... Just because you own something doesn't mean you have to keep it. And just because it's ugly doesn't mean you shouldn't look at it. <laughs> so I only recommend containers for at, as the very last step. Like go through your stuff, see what you need, arrange it. And if it's something that's floppy and so always falling into the thing next to it, if it's small and gets scattered when the cat jumps on the shelf, if it... um is a bunch of stuff that gets used together and it would be easier to grab it all if it was in a box. Then you put a container around it. You just Hmm. don't automatically set up containers and then put the stuff into the containers, which is what a lot of people do. Buying a new set of drawers won't solve your clutter problem. It will just give you more spots to put your clutter. Wow. This is a revelation. I mean, yeah, like, it's all in your mind. It has nothing to do with the containers. Because I am such a person who will be like, oh, I've got this many containers. I will... I'll Fill put this in there and things. this in there and this in there. And, uh, oh, my God, what a, that's, like, such a great piece of advice. I just feel yeah. like that one, that is going to change my basement. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, uh, I, I have another client that just last week we were working in, she has one of those weird coat closets under her stairs that's a very weird shape. And then yeah. they've added... Shel- the builder added weird shelving in two areas of it and then two hanging rods and this weird rounded area at the end of the other one. So she ha- she bought this Christmas tree bag to put her artificial tree in mm-hmm. and she just kind of propped it up in that back rounded area. But it only stays upright if all the coats are there. So when <sighs> we started cleaning, this big giant tree keeps falling. And I'm like, or we could, I think this Christmas when you assemble the tree don't put it back in the thing let's just put the tree back there like there is no shelf that goes all the way back it's just like this huge it's to the top of the stair area and it's really weird I think we can just fold the branches up and put it there and then drape a sheet on it yeah and it won't won't fall down anymore and it'll already be assembled every year when they go to wow what an awesome idea there's one of those weird things but she bought this fancy bag that won't stand up once you put the tree in it because wow. it's all weird and lopsided and <laughs> <laughs> funny. And all you have to do is just have it standing there. And when you want it, you pull it out. Exactly. Like oh, the Grinch pulling that tree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can picture it out of the, uh, yep. Out of the chimney <laughs> yeah. or stuffing it up the chimney. Right. So, wow. And you, um, I mean, it really seems like what you do is you help people figure out and I know you it's even in your title of some things that you do anyway simple simple solutions simple ways to organize your stuff you know we spend way too much time spinning around on what's the perfect calendar to use or what's the perfect drawer set to use what's the perfect 
you know, ribbon board. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's all these beautiful things that people create to avoid actually dealing with their stuff. Yeah. So deal with your stuff first and then you don't have to, you, you can create other things. I mean, if you want to create the ribbon board after the fact, great. But now you know what's going on the board and yeah. how you're going to maintain that board. Yeah, see, uh, I, I never, yeah. I don't do well with those things at all. Like the, that's a, a ribbon board is where people will post pictures or they'll post like notes to themselves or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's basically a bulletin board without pins. Yeah, no, I I'm not a bullet. I can't do the bulletin board thing. I mean, personally, maybe other maybe other people out there are are fine with it. But what I find is that I will be like, oh, this is the cutest thing ever, and I'll use magnets, and I'll and and like six months later, it's just a bunch of faded things that I can't even see because they're all stuffed on one on you know one on top of the other or whatever. And I'm like, oh yeah, right. there was a doctor's appointment I was supposed to get to, <laughs> or yep. something. You know. It's all about the system. So a board is fine if you have thought through the workflow of why you're using that board in the first place. Mm -hmm. So as an example, I used to work a customer service job where I, every cubicle had a bulletin board right in front of us. And I would use it for, you know, it was back before we, everything was completely automated on the computer. So I would actually have to take notes on the people's issues. Mm -hmm. um, and double check their orders and things like that. So I might have their order form right in front of me while I'm talking to them on the phone and then I'd have to go to the next call or whatever and deal with that person's thing or call them back and leave a message. So I had a system for pinning them on my board. So it was like need to do waiting to hear back mm -hmm. um, final stage or whatever it was. So it was, it was like a three or four section on my board, like need yeah. to call, need to fill need to, or waiting for them to call me back kind and, of thing. And you could so move I it could through visually see and, if they called, I could pull it off. And if I wasn't there one day, anyone could see at what point in the process it was. So having a thought through workflow for how you're using it is one thing. Yep. Just using it to catch the other pretty shiny objects is different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to think of it. You want to you want to know what is it going to do? And, and how are you going to before you even get it up there? Right? What's it? right what's it going to be for and how am I going to use it so and we've figured out a way I don't know if you guys can hear this but my son I so I thought the issues were going to come with our dogs <laughs> my 10 year old is going through the house singing right now so <laughs> I apologize for that everybody <laughs> he's the joy of summer days I know really woohoo um at least he's happy I mean it could be worse right he could be I don't know having a fit all the way up and down the hall or whatever but exactly. um yeah so so just a little interlude there <laughs> Uh, and I guess I, I brought up the word simple because uh, I feel like we've talked ab about a little bit about that simplicity is a thing that you really love as a as a concept. Right? Yeah, and I've been you... living it for thirty years. So, but I is... liked it even before then. I just didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? What does simplicity mean to you? Uh, you know, in just yeah, I'll just say that. What does simplicity mean to you, Miriam? Yeah. <laughs> to me, it means. Freedom, basically. It's I can do what I need to do with the fewest amount of accoutrements as necessary mm -hmm. so that I don't have to take care of those accoutrements, mm -hmm. but I can enjoy the thing. So, for instance, one of the places I find lots of redundancy in people's homes is their kitchen. They might have a blender, a food processor, a mini chopper, a mandolin, a herb grater, a coffee grinder, a cheese grater, a cheese slicer, 27 cheese planes, um, a wow. set of knives or four because they never get rid of the old ones when they buy the new ones mm -hmm. instead of buying a good one in the first place. <laughs> um, you know, there's a, a stick blender, a Vitamix, a regular blender. And it's like everything is for one thing where really you could get away with one set of chef's knives and a universal grater. Wow. And do all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, all right, you might need one blender as well. But, yeah. you know, there's a certain number of things that you buy to solve a problem that you have once. Yeah. And then you're stuck taking care of it and it's in your way and you're tripping over it. And you're, so, and you're feeling how, too full, right? Yeah. yeah. How many sets of linens do you need for your bed? Uh -huh. uh, we have I have one. Do you? It goes into the washer. The mattress airs out while I'm washing it. It reminds me I might need to flip the mattress. Mm -hmm. I put 
the clean ones back on the bed. And then eight months from now, I might realize the cats have put a couple holes in it and I might want to start looking for a new set. Mm -hmm. And then I buy the new set and it becomes my new set. We, <laughs> and the we, old one goes to someone else that can enjoy it. Yeah. We so, have a, we have a winter have store. Yeah. We have, I'm so excited about this because this is a, this is an area where I'm simple and didn't even know it. We have a winter set for our bed and a summer set. So the winter set has flannel, is flannel sheets and the summer set is like, I don't know, sateen or something. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I realize if you have kids or dogs or something, you might need one extra set in case of emergency. You know, if some kid pees in the bed in the middle of the night, of course you might need an emergency set. Yeah. But you don't need seven emergency sets if you own a washer and dryer because you can wash that set tomorrow. And do you have people who own seven sets of, of sheets for a bed? Oh, more. Really? Yeah. Well, what happens is they buy a new set and they put the old set in the linen closet for guests or in case of emergency mm-hmm. or fort building or, you know, all these <laughs> different things. But instead of just keeping the one sheet or the blanket, they keep also the shams and the fitted sheet and the you know, duvet cover and the 12 pillows that go with it. Yeah. And then they put them in a space bag and they suck all the air out with the vacuum. And then they have this lumpy thing that doesn't stack on the shelf and it <laughs> falls on your head when you open the door. You know, it's just, we make our lives very complicated by buying a solution instead of thinking through what that actually entails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The default is, let me just go buy a new one. Not, oh, and then I should get rid of the old one. Or maybe someone else could use the old one. Or maybe that one didn't work for me. Or maybe that set has 12 pieces in it that I don't need. Yeah. Maybe a different set would serve me better. Yeah. And I think people purposely package stuff with these sets that have, you know, 14. It's a marketing ploy, people. No one needs 37 pillows on their bed. (laughs) We just actually, I just cleaned out our linen closet recently. Um. And I found, like, we ended up throwing away, like, five pillows that we had been saving for guests. But the thing is, we already have, like, six for guests pillows. So we didn't need the other five. And it's like, wow, that's a lot. You know, we couldn't, we couldn't, you can't donate used pillows. I mean, they're just, you know. It's gross. It's gross, yeah. But a few years ago, we've really been working on, on simplicity for for a couple of years and I like I'm hearing you talk about things in the kitchen and I just feel so happy and excited that we we really do we've got a blender we've got a a couple of good knives we've got a couple we've got a like a board for meat you know or things that are going to be cooked which is like a it's a it's not wooden that board is I don't know some kind of polypropylene yeah exactly um and so we've really we've streamed we have a 10 by 10 kitchen so we don't have a lot of room for extra stuff and but yet we did have a ton of extra stuff so Mm -hmm. so to to get that to have our kitchen to the point where you know we know that we we keep what Tupperware we have we keep over here what uh, what extra Tupperware that we do sometimes need, we keep in a in an out of the way place that we don't ever go into except when we need something like something like that. And we only have things up there that we do use at least once a year, like the French onion soup terrine things are up there and that kind of thing. Um, right. But thinking about the closet, like our linen closet was really chock full of all of the blankets that we had had when we moved in together. All of the linens that we had, like, so we'd each, we each came with quilts and blankets and right. whatnot, right? And then right? you got the ones from the wedding registry. And then, we, and then you got yep. the ones. Yep. That we just liked or whatever, you know, yep. oh, we need, we need a blah, blah, blah. So we'll get that. Well, a few years ago, I had everything out in piles and I was realizing that it's, it made me feel so bad. Like there are people out there who don't have a blanket, right? Right. Who can't, who cannot find a blanket to sleep under and be warm. And here I am with an obscene amount of blankets. I think we donated like to a, to a local thrift shop. We donated like 12 blankets. And yeah. we kept, I mean, it's not like we only kept one per bed, right? We kept the ones that were our favorites, the ones we like to snuggle up with on the couch, the ones that are for winter in, in our bedrooms. There's three bedrooms. So, you know, the ones that yeah. are for summer in our bedrooms. We probably kept a dozen, you know, yeah. but, but we used to have 24 and now 24 people who didn't have blankets have them. I mean, that's sorry, not 24, 12 people who didn't have blankets now have right. them, you know. And, and well, so I have it, a lot of clients that hold on to things because they want to make sure the right person gets them. And so my thing is, well, they're not going to find it in your linen closet. Yeah. They're <laughs> not going to come shopping at your house. Yeah. Yeah, it's very. We need to put it at the place where they might actually get it. Yeah, where they might find it. 
And and I have to, one of my favorite places to shop for things like sheets or pillowcases, especially like I love different pillowcases. I just think mm-hmm. they're so much fun. And um, I have a book that that I've actually made a couple of little you can make like, a, you know, if, if someone, you know, is having a baby or something, like that, you know, it's a girl, you can make the cutest little sundresses from pillowcases. Right. And um, so it started there. I, I went I had a, a friend who was having a baby. So I decided to try and and. Um, you know, go find some pillowcases that I wasn't going to buy at like linens and things or whatever. But instead I went to Savers, which is around here. That's like a, it's a chain of thrift shops, but they're, they're like a little bit, you know, that you can't say that they're upscale, but they're a little more upscale than like the Salvation Army or something. Right. And, uh, but still very, very, very affordable. I mean, like I, that's, I, I love getting clothes from there. And I also love getting pillowcases because I just have a, I don't know, like a thing. If I can, it, I'll keep the sheets the same, but if I can just spend, you know, 50 cents per pillowcase and have, uh, you know, a two, like a replacement set of pillowcases every couple of months, it's just fun. It revitalizes my room and it makes, and it's like, it's two bucks, you know, or something like that every couple of months. Right. So that's a way that, that I feel like I can get my shopping, whatever, uh, needs met if I have shopping needs, quote unquote. But I'm not breaking the bank, and I do have something, just a little change, something that's nice and fun, and, and a, a bit of a change. So right. So yeah. one of the misconceptions about simplified living or living a minimalist lifestyle is that that means you don't own anything. Mm. And it's not that at all. It's that you only own what you love and use. Yeah. And having the best version of that thing you can afford. Yeah. So that it lasts a lot longer and serves your needs. And, you know, we all have that one or two weird things we own that there's no rhyme or reason to why we like that tiki statue or we like that metal globe or, you know, there's going to be something that you just love. It resonates with you on, on a more deep and spiritual level than you can put into words. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying get rid of that thing because that's bringing you joy of some sort. But get rid of the set of drawers that has like four paper clips and, and two dried up markers in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that's, that's the, the things that make you feel in your mind cluttered, right? Like yeah. that's what you want to get rid of. That's exactly. how you can. And that's the thing about clutter. Even if you live in enough space where it's behind doors or in a box and hidden away, your brain still knows it's there. Mm-hmm. So your brain is still trying to process at what point am I going to deal with that? At what point um, or what's in there? Or is that where the thing I was missing last week is? Mm-hmm. All those little worries take up brain space that could be used for creativity or hanging out with, with your kids or yeah. you know, starting a business. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I have, so that brings up a question in my mind, which is we are not, we're not the sole deciders of, well, how can I put this? Um, I mean, obviously within, if you live with other people, you have to take their, their preferences into, into, you know, you can't throw away somebody's beloved tiki statue, right? Oh, right. Um, But, but then what do you do about. Let me, can I share an argument that my husband and I one time had? Oh, of <laughs> course. So this, this was positively worked out, but it was, at the time it was, you know, I don't know what people will think of this. So, so my parents were moving to Colorado and they were deciding, were they going to take their, what had been their bedroom set, like for all of their married life, which I, I loved. I always loved it. Very, very simple. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, a lot of times bedroom sets are like really carved and. I don't know. Yeah. They have all kinds of little compartments and stuff like this. These were these were just beautiful, polished, dark furniture. And I just loved it. It was very simple. And at the same time as that was happening, my husband get my husband's uh, had a cousin, an, a much older cousin. So maybe a second cousin or something who was dying of Lou Gehrig's disease. And my the cousin wanted my husband. He wanted to give Ben his bedroom set. I don't know why. I don't know why. I mean, like, I, I don't know why that was the thing that came up for him. But right. he invited us down to go and look at the bedroom set. And I mean, he was he was very, very ill. He was I don't I'm not sure that he lived six months longer after we had we had seen him and met with him and everything like that. And he he really loved this bedroom set. I think maybe because Ben was moving into his first home or something like that. Like he thought, here's something that's a legacy that I can give my cousin. Right. 
And you would not believe what this bedroom set was like. It was it was the opposite of, of anything that either of us would like. I mean, other than the fact that it had a stand-up wardrobe kind of thing for like the, you know, how the gentleman's dresser is kind of a, a different right. affair. Well, I think my husband liked that. The, the fact that it was that, but it was, it was like carved and it was just, it was all these different colors, woods. And it was, um, it was as wild and crazy and obnoxious as you could possibly get. And, and so we go down to see it and, and my husband's like, oh, thank you so much, you know, and, and we didn't say yes or no then, but we come home and my mother's like, hey, do you want this bedroom set? And I was like, oh yes, please. And, my, and <laughs> I can remember, <laughs> this is the part that I feel like I'm going to say it, but it's not very I don't know. Say part it, of, Karen. Part of our it. argument was I said to let our feelings out. Exactly. So I said, um, I said, listen, I I really want this bedroom set. It's my it's my mother's, and you know my my parents, and they're moving away. And my husband says, well, I really want this bedroom set because it's the one that you know that's being given to me by my dying cousin. And I'm like, oh God, how do I you know how do I right. counter that? So I didn't. My parents took their bedroom set out there with them and we got this ridiculous bedroom set and we lived with it. And I feel like, I guess the reason I bring it up is because, uh, well, actually I should say that to just to finish it, it, we moved into the house we lived in for 10 years. It was our bedroom set for 10 years. And then when, when the people who bought our house saw it, they were like, oh my gosh, can we please, can that be included? We love, love, love it. And my husband was like, sure. And then he turns to me and he's like, thank God. <laughs> So it really was all about, that's why I bring it up. It really was all about the emotions around this furniture. Like it had to do with who was giving it to him and why. And like, so my question is really, we all have stuff in our house that someone, some beloved person has given it to us. And even if we hate it intrinsically, we, we might still hang on to that. And I guess my question for you is, is that a good thing or not? Within reason. So Mm -hmm. there's, there's kind of actually three layers to the argument you guys were having. So the first layer is that emotional tie to someone that's giving you something. Mm-hmm. You had the tie to the stuff your parents were trying to give you. He had the tie to the thing his cousin was trying to send him. Mm-hmm. But you didn't take into account your tastes and your preferences as a couple. Mm-hmm. You just took the other person's things. So anytime someone gives you something or offers you something, it is yours to do with what you want. It doesn't come with strings. If it does, they're not a very good friend or family member and they count as clutter too and Mm -hmm. they need to be gone from your life. So it needs to be something that you would have bought anyway Ah. or you are willing to live with for a certain amount of time and then let it go. Like mm-hmm. you are the transition phase for it. Mm-hmm. That helps the person. Like with the cousin stuff, I probably would have taken the cousin stuff and then given it away to yeah. make room for your mom's stuff. So he or repurposed it in another room. Yeah. Or you know, there's there's various things that can happen. Yeah. That yeah. makes it easier for the person that's trying to give it, depending on the situation. A dying person trying to give you something, you might want to lighten their burden just enough and take it. Yeah. Um, but maybe not. Maybe you want to help them find the right person to give it to um, or sell it to. But then there's this thing of, will I forget the person if I don't have the thing? Ah, yes. That's a really interesting question. you know, if you lose your wedding ring, are you going to forget you're married? No. (laughs) Are you going to, if you get rid of your kid's artwork that, you know, the 37 different versions of the horse they drew on Saturday? Oh, and I hate, I hate getting rid of stuff that they've made. It it hurts me well, every time. <laughs> will you forget that you have kids? No, no, you're absolutely will you right. you forget that your kids can draw? No, you're absolutely yeah. right. I love that. Thank you so much for bringing that up. That is a hard, hard thing for, you know, they've put their, it almost feels like they've put such energy into this and they've given it to you. And, and I mean, I definitely, I still have a couple of things. Like I probably have, I Yeah, don't there's know. milestone things. So yeah. the first time they draw a horse is completely different than the 87th time they draw a horse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The first time they draw, you know, there's those milestone things, especially in art. The time they draw the house with the sun over it and the family in front, the first time, it's a milestone. They've yeah. made some sort of connection that that's a family. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, the macaroni necklace that now has bugs on it can go. <laughs> Who are you keeping the- this for? Right? <laughs> 
Right. The 3D thing that you can't origami anywhere, and so it's now covered with dust because you left it in the garage, can go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's and ask your kids. I can't tell you how many times the kids are like, oh, yeah, I just I was just messing around wasting time that day. It's not important to them. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have put weird importance on it as the parent. So, <laughs> Preciousness. I'm actually just getting ready. The client, another client I did uh, about a week ago, we were, I was helping her daughter, who is kind of craftsy. Um, we were doing her room, and for some reason, the mom just happened to catch the pictures while I was having this conversation with the daughter, where I found an Ojo de Dios, which is this popsicle stick with string thing that people make out here. Oh. And I found it under her dresser and I'm like do you want this and the daughter wasn't really paying attention and so I like pull my glasses down to the bottom of my nose and I'm like do you want this (laughs) so the mom happens to catch this conversation and the daughter ended up saying oh no I don't even know when I made that and the mom was like oh I really like it (laughs) it's like she just said she was getting rid of it what are you doing (laughs) wow that is it that's really interesting that's really so it's super important to involve the kids in the decision making. Yeah. Yeah. Because while it's totally fun to keep the photo of the kid doing something really embarrassing for future reference and use at their graduation, wedding, first day in the Navy, <laughs> somewhere <laughs> where you embarrass them, you don't necessarily want to keep everything they ever made. Wow, it's true. It's just gonna weigh them down. Yeah. Yeah. It kinda helps them learn to make decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'll say too, just regarding not so much art, but stuff like toys and things like that. The first t-shirt your baby threw up on does not need to be saved. <laughs> Unless it could be turned into a quilt, which is a, which is something that I've actually done for a friend. I mean, that's, you can, you can, rather than having bags full of your baby's first clothes, uh, do something with them. If you want to hang on to them, you know, uh, like I made a fantastic quilt that, that now this boy is like eight and he still loves, you know. So you can you can always repurpose, which is which is a neat thing. But well, I was gonna do that. Don't just hoard it. Exactly. Yeah. You have to you have to you have to jump or or you know, you can't just sit there for years and years, oh I'm gonna get to that, I'm gonna get to that. You have to make a decision now. Are you gonna yeah. give these things to someone else who needs them? Because there's somebody out there who needs that t shirt that your baby burped up on or whatever. It or, always comes back to the decision mm-hmm. of the workflow. Okay, yes, you are keeping it. Why? What happens to it? How are you going to take care of it? What's the next step to make that happen? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, All those things need to be considered, not just, yes, I'm keeping it. Yeah. yeah. Where? Why? For what purpose? What will it be used for? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So if you can say, if you can say, oh, I'm having more kids, I'll keep them for that. I mean, that's one thing. If you're, if you're going to say, well, I want to do something with them in the future, but I don't know what, you're saying that's a very different situation, right? Even keeping them for the next kid is debatable. Really? Because I have, and I say that mostly because I have a number of friends that have kept things for their grandkids. Like, well, yes, I'm done having kids, but now I'm going to keep it for my grandkids. Mm. And if my mother had done that, she'd still have all that stuff because I didn't have kids. (laughs) Yep, that's true. You don't know what choices your kids are going to make about their family situation and if they even want that. Yeah. I mean, imagine if you dressed all of your kids in clothes from 30 years ago. Oh, gosh. No, 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 no. That would be sick. Imagine if you sent your kids to middle school wearing clothes from seven years ago. Yeah, that would not be a, that wouldn't be good. Right. <laughs> so there is this thing called planned obsolescence in the fashion industry. <laughs> oh, yeah. And even if it comes back around, it's not going to be quite the same. Yeah, yeah. And I can even talk personally just about personal preferences for the kids. So my oldest, uh, I have two boys. One is 14 and one is uh, 10. Mm -hmm. And the 14-year-old hated the feel of jeans, of denim on his legs. He he either wanted sweatpants or he's moved into like, as he's gotten older, he'll wear like khaki pants or something like that. Um, and I had initially, I had saved all of those little pants that he used to wear. And when the second one came along, he refuses to wear anything but jeans. He feels like jeans are to him are a sort of armor. He's really into like battling. And I mean, he isn't so much now he's 10, but when he was a kid, all he wanted to do was have a sword or a lightsaber in his hand and be battling. And for Mm -hmm. whatever reason, denim equaled armor 
and anything else did not. So you could not put him. He would sleep in his jeans. I mean, he just yeah. that's what he that's what he wants. That's what he loves. So I had been hanging on to all of these whatever all these pants going up and up and up in age that he is never going to wear so you know a couple of years ago i think I, I got smart about that and said someone else is going to be it see for me i love this idea of simplicity because because it adds right into this idea of someone else is going to need this this is going to be really valuable for somebody else and if it's sitting in your basement it's not valuable for anyone exactly and i think too keeping hand-me-downs for other kids and things of some basics is fine, but it's really important for kids to get their own sense of personality and expression through their clothing. Mm -hmm. So if you save that stuff, let your kids shop with you from the stuff you saved and pick the things they'll wear. Don't Mm. automatically assume they're going to love all of it and that you will never have to go to the store again. Yeah. Yeah, very true. (laughs) Because that's a very important part of the development process from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. And I have to say (laughs) this, I'm loving this because we've we've really talked a lot about, we kind of started very generally, but we've really talked a lot about what parents can do in terms of simplifying their lives, simplifying their their homes, decluttering mentally and and physically. And I'm wondering, do you have any, we're kind of getting to the end of our time, do you have any final thoughts for parents of young children regarding taking control of their time and stuff? I do. Awesome. (laughs) Um, And it goes back to the the bedroom set argument as well, which is that third part of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is, at some point, we went back to thinking that everyone should live in the same room of the house, but instead of just having one room houses, we all made all the different rooms available to everybody. Instead of developing good boundaries mm-hmm. for life in this American society, I know it's a little bit different in different places, mm-hmm. um, but having shared spaces, public spaces, and private spaces within the home. Is, is important. Like you want it's to have some of It's super each. important for the development of the kids and the freedom and break that the parents need. So I don't know, when I was a kid, we were not allowed in our parents' master bedroom unless invited in mm-hmm. or in case of emergency. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, we didn't have all our toys in there. We didn't sleep in there. And, you know, even bad dreams, the parent would come to us in our bed. Yeah. It wasn't, we went in there. Yeah. Um, and, their bathroom was off limits, so they didn't have to childproof and stuff because we just weren't allowed in there. Yeah, yeah. Except for very special things. Um, it, you know, as we grew, we were allowed in there more often, but, you know, there was that. We didn't have every single toy we owned in the living room. Yeah. We had toys in our room that we brought out to play with in the living room. Then we took them back to our room and put them away before mm-hmm. we did the next thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an all free-for-all. That's not to say we had no creativity because we were a super creative, you know, I went to Montessori school. We had all kinds of creative stuff happening. But there's something about those boundaries of this is presentable space for us to share with friends and neighbors that drop by. Mm -hmm. And it's presentable and comfortable for outsiders to be in. Mm -hmm. And this kitchen is going to be where we prepare food and do homework on the counter and, and have our talks the bedrooms are for playing and sleeping and reading and quiet time. And, and we can go in there when we need to be alone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But I go into all these houses these days and every single room has a little bit of everything in it. Mm-hmm. And are, are the parents unhappy with that? I mean, do they feel like, are they saying well, to you, my God, I can't, I can't get a moment to myself. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, it's, I feel bad about saying it, but to a certain extent you did it to yourself. Well, <laughs> you didn't yeah. create the boundary. And so now there isn't one and now you have nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you, I mean, I I feel like that evolved in our house, not because we were, uh, I've kind of lost my, th- my train of thought a little bit, but what, what would happen to us is we would, everything would end up in the living room. The kids would bring toys and, and you couldn't, nobody could figure out a place to play or what to pull out next or what. There, there was like you talk about boundaries. Too many options. Too many options. Yeah, exactly. So if 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 we, what worked best for us was we. I kind of rotated toys, and so <laughs> we would have some toys that were in the kids' bedrooms that were available to bring out to the living room and then put away, in back in their bedrooms. And some toys that we. So like every I don't know three or four months, I 
I'd pull out a different, and I did use bins. <laughs> they were organized bins, though, and there was no better way to store them. So, um, oh, bins are great for kids, but yeah, yeah. Uh, not so over categorized. They yes. need to be broad categories, like critters, yeah, or transportation. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, so what I would do is I would put away the things that nobody was really playing with anymore that were just kind of left out, or and they, they would help. It wasn't just me. And mm-hmm. then we'd bring out a whole new bin and it would be like, wow, I forgot about this. And oh, my gosh, it was a really great way of organizing. Like everything was not available to them at all times. And it made it much easier for them to make a choice about what yeah. to do and what to play with. And I would I would guess that the same thing goes with rooms. Like if you if you have rooms in your home that are for different purposes mm-hmm. and everybody knows these rules and everybody's comfortable and it doesn't have to be exact, you know, settled that way. So maybe some people have a room where everybody sleeps. Maybe there's a family bed. And right. everybody knows that that's where you go to sleep and that's cool. But this room over here is a room where you go if you just need some alone time, you know, or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not saying that any of these things are not valid. It's mm-hmm. that you need to define what it is for yourself and not, you know, if it is a family bed, bedroom, maybe have all the craft supplies and the toys in a different room. Exactly. So the bed is for sleeping. Yeah. And resting. Yeah. Not glitter filled <laughs> yeah. yes exactly so that so that um full of you crumbs can, you can relax because you've built yourself a, a as you say a boundary I mean you've built yourself a, a sort of a mental this is what happens in this room I can relax in this room because I'm doing this you know it it, yeah. it makes it easier like I, I got it I mean that could go everything from uh we always had the rule of, uh, and we still do, we eat at the table. And we do that because we don't want ants, right? Yeah. But it also means that you don't find rotten pieces of fruit in your bedroom or, or something like that because you just, nobody ever had food there. So it's it's like something that you can relax about mentally. You don't have to worry about that. And it makes, it frees you up to, to do positive things with your, with your, with your mental energy. So. Right. So, so it's also super important that if, you know, the finishing, the last step is the putting things away so that they're ready next time you use them. Mm -hmm. It makes it easier for next time. So it's not about, I'm too tired to put it away now. It's how tired will you be next time when you can't find it? Mm -hmm. When you've exhausted, you've pulled everything else out (laughs) looking for it. That's so true. Yes. Yeah. 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 That is a great lesson for, certainly for me. And I'm, I'm sure for a lot of people listening. And I think it's a great place to leave it because that's just about all we have time uh, for today. If you if you listening out there have a question for my amazing guest, Miriam Ortiz Epino, go to her website, which is called morethanorganized.com. And no, it's I, .net. Oh, it's .net. Oh, God. You know what? I changed that too. Dang it. Morethanorganized.net. Sorry. More than, .net. Morethanorganized.net. And I've got to recommend uh, your streamlined time solution class because it's really helped oh, me get good. control of my stuff and especially my time. I mean, it's... It's all it's really about being very purposeful with with what you have and and what kind of time you have. I mean, if you think about it, time is a commodity that nobody ever gets any more of. <laughs> exactly. So we got to do what we can with it, you know. So thank you so much Miriam for being my guest today. This has been great. Oh, Absolutely. you are so welcome. I've had a blast and would love to, you know, be back if you ever decide you want me and um just to mention to everybody that there's a full blog and all kinds of free resources on my website to get you started on your simplifying journey. Yay. Awesome. Awesome. Actually, I'd love to, you know what I'd really love is, is if people, uh, if you out there listening want to write to me, you can go to we turned slash contact, or you can just email me at Karen at we turned And just let me know, um, give me some questions. Like if you have questions for Miriam about organizing or about family politics and all the stuff that goes into why we hang on to our stuff, or if you just have a bin of stuff that you don't know what to do with or whatever, get in touch with me and I will, uh, will arrange a time and Miriam will come back on and we can, we can talk about your, we can take your questions. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, that'd be totally fun. Really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Definitely. So you can also find me. I'm at Stone Age Techie on Twitter. I'm Karen Lockholp on Facebook. And I would love it if you'd friend me out there. I'd love to meet you and talk to you. And please, please keep those iTunes reviews coming. They really help the show have more listeners. They really inspire me to keep finding great guests like today's to bring you. And I want to thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me that you spend some time each week with me in your ears. And finally, a special thanks to our producer, the man who beats me hands down at organization and 
has taught me some great tricks of his own, 18-time winner of the Husband of the Year Award, Benjamin Culp. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to We Turned Out Okay. I want a date to Australia. Find us on the web at weturnedoutok.com, where you'll find show notes and more. What do you call cheese that's not yours? Nacho cheese. And remember, we only go around once. To be the best parents we can be, let's relax and enjoy the ride. Derp, 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 derp,